just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Saturday. Now, Chris, don't jump in here and say it's not Saturday. It's Friday because the last guy I did this to said that. It's because this will air on early Saturday morning. But on this show, we, we're we fortunate enough to have another listener on the show and somebody you haven't heard from before. His name is Chris. He's from Omaha. He's a fellow Midwesterner. So I think we can probably relate. And uh, Chris told me before he came on the show that he grew up in a in a uh, Republican or conservative family, and I, I guess I kind of did too. So um, I get the sense you came to the Rational Boomer stuff on TikTok or here or where, however you got here, uh, basically looking for <laughs> some some fellow like minded folks in a sea of fucking trump Fox. is that true i think uh obviously by algorithms and those sorts of things that that's probably how you ended up on my for you pages like in similar posts but uh for sure um what you said is correct uh i try to align myself with folks that think similarly um it doesn't make me deaf to those that don't but uh i try to see both sides yeah yeah um you if people know what I look like, they don't know what you look like unless they see a video on a TikTok page. And you and I don't look like the typical libtards. And that's why I think doing what we're doing here is a good thing. People have to know that what you look like doesn't necessarily mean how you think. And and uh, um, you live in the Omaha area. What's the atmosphere down there like for you being a libtard, if you will? with a lot of lot of red people in Iowa and possibly Nebraska? Um, I'm definitely the minority. Um, Nebraska is a very red state, horribly red, and how is, not just because they're hus- huskers. <laughs> well, how, 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 is it, how is it for you at the holidays, Christmas coming up, Thanksgiving? I assume there are people in your family that aren't, aren't enlightened and uh, are still in the – conservative mindset we don't discuss it Um, really it's been for the last decade or so it's completely off the table we just don't talk about it that's that's the wise way to do it my my experience has been with those people that are trump in my family uh it would be fine if we didn't talk about it i don't have to talk about it i don't have to argue about it you can think what you think i can think what i think but these people I deal with can't help themselves. They see me do something on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram, and it just incenses them. They find a way to be offended by whatever I say, and they can't help but confront me when they do see me. And, of course, when they confront me, they're not the brightest folks in the world, so it doesn't go well for them. And now they're the victims, and I'm the bully. And it just gets to be a fucking mess that's unnecessary. Oh, I agree. Um, once in a while, one of my boys or somebody will – uh will remind me um, maybe it's just because of a comment or a Facebook post or something similar or something came across the news or radio and it 
brought up a subject and um i appreciate the reminder and uh i usually quiet back down so yeah <laughs> but yeah i uh i do feel that once in a while uh folks you know family or those close to me friends even that uh see a post or something and try to spark a conversation over that and uh it, i've had to delete a lot of folks some yeah. of them were family yeah, it's a it's a tough situation, and you know it's one thing if you have an argument with your family about you know, a recipe or how you raise your kids or something. That's one thing, and people have said, "Why do you feel so strongly about this with your family?" And I said, "Well, it's one thing if it was just a minor personal thing, but we're talking about people supporting uh, things that uh, like white supremacy, like overthrowing the government, and this is stuff that can." seriously damage our country. Now, I'm old enough where I'll be fine up until the time I die, but I got kids and I got grandkids, and I have a personal irritation with people trying to hurt the future of this country because it's going to affect my kids and my grandkids, and they have nothing to say about it right now. Yeah, you know, in my younger years, I grew up in that in that mindset that all immigrants were bad and people that didn't look like me um, – I'm white as hell and uh, were of lesser person or something somewhere. But then as I grew older, um, my, I also I'll step back a second. My family's native American. Okay. So as I grew, as I grew older, I uh, started going, well, wait a second. <laughs> we are the, we are the minority. Right. And um, so that, really upset me um and it also opened my eyes to not think the same as those folks that were belittling um other uh races and that sort of thing so um i really had a turning point um i wanted to say it was probably in my 30s uh early 30s or late 20s and then um fast forward i've been an ad- advocate for equal equality amongst men and women um just leave it at that equality for everybody you know and uh that's probably been a passionate thing about myself recently is trying to educate folks on that well and i think when you come to that realization or anybody comes to that realization it's not about it's not a color about color race sexual preference or anything it's just fucking common sense Treat people like other people. That's all you got to do. And anything less than that is 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 un, unfair. Now, you said you work in the trades business, correct? Yeah, I do. Um, I've been in the trades my whole life. Um, I worked in one trade for about my first 10 years of my adult life. And then the last 20 years of my adult life, I've been in the uh, electrical industry. Now, what what about the business aspect of it? Uh, does that ever come into play? The the conservative versus liberal? Because you're dealing, you know, you're dealing with blue collar guys or women, and 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 they have different attitudes than maybe you have. For sure, um, I've always worked in the union aspect, which tends to lean itself towards the the democratic liberal side, but not always. Yeah. Um, and, and it's sporadic. It's sporadic. It's, uh, not just management or, or owners that are, 
that can be one or the other, but also union employees. Um, I run into them all the time that sometimes they're very liberal and sometimes they're middle of the road and sometimes they're far right. Right. It just slays me. <laughs> I, 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 I long for the days, um, back in the early two thousands when politics and, and, and parties really didn't matter that much. I mean, there was a time when I didn't think much about politics here and there, there'd be different kinds of policies that I'd be for or against, but now it seems like everything we do is so divided because of, of the uh, politics. And, and I really put the blame on Donald Trump. I put it first on Donald Trump. And then I put it secondly on the media, Donald Trump, that's what he does. He divides people. That's the way he thinks he can win. But then you get the media and there is no such thing as journalism anymore. So every, no matter where you look, you get a different story or you don't get a complete story. So now we're stuck with this division and it's going to be a long haul to get back to this unity with this country. I, I'm not even sure how they do it. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we're on the right path. Um, Oh, I agree. Especially with Joe Biden. Um, I think he has uh, similar attributes to Obama did, as in bringing people together. Um, whether or not everybody believes that right now, I don't think he's as quick to do it as Obama was. I think it was a natural for Obama, President Obama. But um, I think there's a, there's a lot of similarities with President Joe Biden. So uh, I think we're on the right path. And this midterm election, um, not going the Trump of fucks way with the red wave that didn't happen. Um, and then, you know, even recently as the other day, Herschel Walker not making it. So right. I think we're on a good path. I think, I think that midterm situation was kind of a paradigm shift in, in everything we're doing. Uh, for the longest time when Donald Trump was in office, it seemed to just get worse and worse and go farther right and farther right. The left couldn't get anything done and nothing was happening. So then the midterms happened. They expected a red wave. The media told you it'd be a red wave. And of course it wasn't. It was a huge failure for the uh, conservatives or the Trump fucks. And uh, the Democrats do very well, unprecedentedly well, uh, in the midterms and then Herschel Walker gets beat. I think this is kind of a paradigm shift. I think in life things go one way or the other. It had been going badly for a long time. And now I feel like we're shifting back to the right direction and things may ultimately right themselves. I, I agree. I agree. You know, I think the four years of uh, Trump was, I think, you know, we had started on the right path anyways, previous to Trump. So, I think the four years was just a wake up call to Democrats to not get lax. Yeah. And yeah. to keep, you know, sadly we had to experience that. Um, I don't think it did a darn good thing for this country at all. Um, other than that, other than waking up uh, those that are either right in the middle or on the left to get out and vote and get out and, um, be good citizens uh, and stewards of our country. And, you know, one thing I learned in college, which I didn't go to till way later in life, was citizenship uh, isn't just, you know, 
being active in politics, but doing you can help you can be uh, proactive in just educating the folks around you and uh, asking the tough questions and making them think. Um, right. You, it's not just the it's not just the polls, you know. Right. So. Right. Well, you know, when I'm when I look at the midterms, um, I actually kind of compare the era of Donald Trump in office with nine eleven. And I'll explain to you, nine eleven when that happened, it was a tragedy, and everybody was freaked out. People came together, then they separated out. They forgot about it, but that caused a huge amount of damage in this country, economically especially, because years later we would have the housing market and all this other shit. It really affected things dramatically. And I think in a similar vein, it did with Donald Trump, too. It it tore down some of the important things in our country. It it tore down some of the confidence we have in our government. Uh, And if you want to talk about deaths, like in 9-11, we had a million COVID deaths largely because Donald Trump did nothing and uh, it just ran roughshod. So much like we had to do after 9-11, we have to take the time and put in the effort to rework what we've got going on here. As much as things might be going better, we've got a lot of repairs to do and it's not going to happen overnight. No, it's not. Um, I would agree. uh, The similarities between Trump and 9-11. I think a lot of folks are starting to see it now and it's taken a couple years of even uh, having Biden as president. I think uh, they'll see it even more or come to terms with it more as all this court and legal battles and those things sort themselves out with January 6th and um, lawsuits and stuff that are going against Trump. Uh, they're going to see uh, just as they did after 9-11, where, where the cards lie. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the big story yesterday, we know, we know that, that after beating, beating Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock, we had 51 seats in the Senate. Uh, Republicans had 49, and this was a big deal. It's going to help in the committees and all this stuff. And then yesterday, we hear this story where Christian Cinema. Uh, who is a uh, buzzkill and has been for the last couple of years or certainly since she's been in office, she decides I'm not going to be a Democrat anymore and I'm going to be an independent. What was your gut reaction when you heard that? Uh, I, it made me a little ill, but um, I think it's another, it's another point where Democrats have to buckle down and make sure that the folks that are on their side are they stay connected with and stay in alignment with. I don't think it's a huge kill for the party because there's often one or two Republicans that will side with us. And um, I think we'll still be able to, I think we'll still be able to get stuff done. Yeah. I I try to explain this. It's disheartening, but it's disheartening, but I, I, I don't think it's really that big a deal. And I explained it on TikTok a little bit. Basically, she's going to be independent more so for her own ego, for her own future plans, rather than it being political. Now, you have to understand that, that, that while she's independent now, you got to remember Bernie Sanders is also an independent. You have to understand that she is the chairman of a couple of committees on the Senate and also in some other committees in the Senate. 
If she decides not to caucus with the Democrats, she's off all those committees, and she's not going to do that. In spite of the fact she's been a thorn in the side of the Democrats in some occasions, 99% of the time she votes Democrat. So the Republicans aren't going to want her, and she's not going to help the Republicans at all. Basically, I think why she's doing this is to save some face and to get some attention. She's kind of an attention whore. You know, she, when she first got onto the center floor, <laughs> she had this pink hair and, and this wild tight dress, and she's always trying to get attention. But we know that the Democrats in Arizona don't like her at all. They fucking hate her and they have every good reason to hate her. And they're going to have a primary representative, Ruben Gallegos, who's in the house of representatives is going to run in a primary against her. And she's probably going to lose. She knows this. So instead of going through that, she's going to be an independent. She won't lose the primary because all she has to say is, well, I didn't want to do that anyway. It's no big deal. Uh, then other people have said, well, she'll run as an independent and take votes away from the Democrats and the Republicans will win. I go, well, you know, fucking slow down. It's two years away. Don't try to find something to be upset about. She's got no support. The Republicans aren't going to give her money. The Democrats aren't going to give her money. All the Democrats are against her. Her policies are totally the opposite of the Republicans. I honestly don't think she'll even run in two years from now yeah, for re-election. I don't think so, neither, unless something drastically changes in the next two years and she uh, somehow comes back to the, the brighter side of things. But uh, I, I I often think, too, that I well, I wonder if if part of that is a secret ploy, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, sometimes folks will play that middle line just so they can gather information or or maybe somehow fool the republican side who knows yeah i mean i, I it's i don't think there, there are people coming on my tiktok uh post and oh my god it's awful it's it's not that fucking big a deal it's really not that big a deal she's gonna have to do what she has to do and i've said this all along she has no chance of being the democratic candidate if she does want to run as an independent and wants to take Democratic votes, she's going to have to be more accommodating to the Democrats in the next two years than she has been, because there are very few Democrats that back her in any way. Or if she's just not going to run for anything, I mean, she could work for a lobbyist because she's got all these big money guys behind her. She could go on Fox News because she's, you know, she's an attention whore. Or or run for governor or run for something else. I just don't see her running for the Senate. I think she's blown this out. And the fact that she wants to be independent now, really not going to change much of anything. Yeah, it. She and that could be true. She, maybe she's just uh, trying to align herself for the future and is done with being in the Senate. So I don't know. Time will tell, I guess. We'll see how active she is from the independent role. Yeah. And, uh, if she... You know, I watch a, I watch a lot of them. Sometimes towards the end, there they're either pushing really hard to get something through and establish their legacy, or they're on coast mode and not doing a darn thing for either party. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things I've talked to some people about this. Um, the Republicans have a real problem because not only did they not do well in the midterms, they're really split apart. You got the MAGA crew apart. 
they, 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 uh, um, you know, they are sticking by Donald Trump and the MAGA bullshit and all that. Uh, then you've got the other people trying to step away from them. And I brought this up in the previous podcast with Joe. I said, I really have a feel as close as it is in the House, even though the Republicans have uh, an advantage, a small majority, they're so split up. I don't know that that's going to work well for them. The ones that are trying to step away from Donald Trump are going to have to try to get something done. You're not going to get votes by having these ridiculous fucking investigations. So they're going to have to step aside and maybe vote or work with the Democrats. A perfect example of that is the bill that just passed in the House uh, protecting same-sex and interracial marriage. You had a lot of Republicans voting for that. And they may not have voted for that last year, but they saw in the midterms that whole attitude isn't working. We've got to change our perception so we can actually maybe win an election in 2024. Yeah, they're they're definitely on uh, disaster recovery mode, I think, and is an easy way to put it. I find it hard to believe, though, that they're not going to resort back to their normal blocking of anything that we're trying to get done. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think they, they're so used to doing that as of recently that they're going to continue to do that, uh, to try and appease their party. But instead of working with the other side and coming together on some of these things, I'm not real familiar with what's coming up through their, uh, well, one of the I'm, things they'd want to do is I'm codify Roe v. They'd want on that, but they they'd want to codify Roe v. Wade, which would seemingly uh, be antithetical to the Republican Party. But we know as well as anything that that overturning a Roe v. Wade is one of the things that killed them in the midterm. So, do a few of them. We don't need a hundred of them. We don't need ten of them. We need five of them to side with 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 the Democrats. So. Do are we able to pull that off by just taking a small, reasonable few from the Republicans to get things done? I think I think they can pull that off. Um, I think there's they can put enough wording in there that makes both sides happy. Um, I know there's uh, it's a very very controversial subject, and I'm definitely for uh, women's rights and healthcare rights and letting them make their own decision. That is shouldn't be made by a bunch of old white guys. Exactly. Uh, in the uh, government. Yeah, the the whole era of the old white guys got to go by the wayside. I uh, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next two years, because what happens will determine. Um, Who's going to be the president in 2024? I just don't see how a Republican gets it. What about the What about the uh, the Speaker of the House? Kevin McCarthy seems to think he's got a shoe in, and he doesn't because he can't get 218 votes. How do you see that playing out? I mean, they don't have anybody that can get 218 Republican votes. I I don't think it's going to pan out well for him. Um, I and you got to remember how poorly that the Republican Party. Tr- has treated and continues to treat Pelosi. So I think, uh, I think they're going to get a little repercussions and they're not going to like what they feel. 
And I don't think that even all, I don't even know if half of the Republican Party will support him. Yeah. To be honest. I, I don't either. And, and uh, one of the things that, uh, um, I'll tell you two games <laughs> that the Democrats can play. And this first one goes back to cinema. I hadn't thought about this until I saw a TikTok about it. Since cinema is all about herself and about enriching and making herself more popular, what if Joe Biden says, Kristen Cinema, you're a talented young woman. I'm going to put you on my cabinet. I'm going to put you in charge of some department, some shitty department, but a department nonetheless. You don't have to worry about getting reelected. You'll be in one of my cabinet positions. So then a Senate seat opens up, and the governor has to appoint a new senator. And since the governor is Democrat, <laughs> we get another Democrat and a better can- Democrat in that in that position. That sounds like a hell of an idea. I don't know if the Democrats are up to doing that. Yeah, but, uh, that would be cool. It would be cool. Um, I hadn't thought of that, but that's a I heck of either. an idea. Maybe we, maybe we should start writing some letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Okay, now here's the one for the House, the little game they could play. Now, at this point, the Democrats have 214 people in the House of Representatives. Kevin McCarthy needs 218 votes. Other people need 218 votes. What if the Democrats said, listen, let's go find a reasonable Republican, a reasonable Republican that we can live with? Maybe not be in line completely with politically, but somebody reasonable. We go to that, the Democrats go to that Republican and say, listen, man, you want to be Speaker of the House? Here's what you need to do. Just accept that you want to run for Speaker of the House. Get four fucking votes from the Republicans. And then all the Democrats will vote for you. You get 218 votes. You're Speaker of the House. Fuck Kevin McCarthy. Fuck Matt Gates, and fuck them all. And beat them at their own game. I think that's a cool idea, too. That would be amazing. Could you imagine? Oh, man. I don't, I don't even know. But who would, who, who would be your pick? I, well, there's gotta be somebody, go to? there's gotta be somebody that's not crazy that maybe never sided with, I don't know who it would be. I mean, anybody would be better than Kevin McCarthy or Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Greene. Anybody would be better. It, it wouldn't be just so much, um, um, getting in somebody that was, was side with the Democrats all the time. That's not going to happen. But just by undercutting and blowing out Kevin McCarthy and all the other MAGA fucks, it would be worth doing. It would be. It would be. Um, they wouldn't know what to do with the. You, you think <laughs> they, uh, they would just be dumbfounded. They, they wouldn't even see it coming. They no, would not even see it coming. They're so stuck on themselves that they would never have any clue. They don't have enough sense to say, look, I was wrong. I'm going to back down. I mean, all these MAGA folks and these Trumplefucks, they have stuck by Donald Trump's side way too long. Even if they step away now, that stink is still going to be on them. They're going to have to live with this for eternity. And every time they run for some elected office, people are going to bring up, yeah, but you sided with Trump, who's now in fucking jail. And that's going, you know, they pretty much destroyed their uh, their futures just by sticking by Donald Trump because they thought he'd get them votes and money. 
Well, and don't forget, there's a handful of them that stuck with him through January 6th. Yeah. And that whole ordeal isn't over yet. And that could easily yank four of them out right because of those trials and whatever indictments with whatever whatever's yet to come that we don't even know yet could easily pull out four republicans out of there easy well we know that january 6th committee is going to have their last presentation on december 21st and they are undercutting kevin mccarthy and the doj for that matter because they all want the, the the documents we want to see what they are but benny thompson goes gangster and says oh yeah you'll get them because we're posting them for everybody in the fucking world to see you can just go on and do- I, I i'm i'm enjoying this anytime i want to do a tiktok or a podcast i just have to go online and download something about one of the fucking suspects and i can go for an hour on that shit so so you're right presumably there are going to be up to seven sitting members of Congress that might be in trouble. We know this because they were begging for a pardon, which they didn't get. We know they're involved. And I hope that, that, uh, that the J six committee exposes that part of it too. Um, But, you know, they can't indict anybody. I'm glad to see Jack Smith doing what he's doing. He's already mixing this shit up. Jack Smith is already doing some things. I think it's inevitable, and even if we only got half of the seven, that's three and a half, four, maybe, um, that it would be a huge problem. I mean, it's going to be a huge – it's still, I think, in the next couple years, and maybe – hopefully it's less than that, you know. Hopefully it's only in the next six months that we see that all those things come to light 100%. But I agree. I'd have to go – uh, I'm gonna have to start visiting that page a little more often and seeing the documents and stuff. It, maybe it'll give me some uh, new TikTok material. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, you know, we have a shot in the Senate too. Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who won his election, he's in the Senate. He's a Republican, but you remember how he just confessed that he did hold some papers and was involved in this fake elector stuff. I only had it for about 10 seconds. <laughs> but even if you only have these documents for 10 <laughs> seconds, you're still in it, motherfucker. And he could be uh, expelled from the Senate. And again, Wisconsin has a Democratic governor. Now, it's weird because if you're a senator and you leave office, the governor can appoint anybody they want in replace in replacement. The House is a different deal. The House, they will have to have a special election. So conceivably, if they have a special election, if these seven are kicked out, you could get more Republicans in. Um, presumably, they'd be better Republicans than the fucking treasonous they're kicking out. Or with all this mess going on, people could be so tired of this Republican bullshit, they do vote a Democrat in. So Whatever the standing is in the House, it might be kind of fluid. There's a lot of stuff coming out soon. I mean, we're not going to wait six months before we hear from Jack Smith and or the J6 committee. This shit is coming now. So so what exactly? I'm not familiar with that portion. What exactly happens if four House members leave? How how does that process? Does it it sit empty or does it get or how do they get? How do those positions get filled, I guess? Well, it may, 
it may sit empty for a while. And I didn't know this. I had to ask somebody about this. Like I said, this, if it's a senator, the governor replaces him. If it's the House, the governor does not replace them. They have a have to have a special election. So for however long it takes to have that special election, presumably if they have to leave immediately, like if somebody dies or whatever, uh, it sits empty, I think, until um, the special election happens and they get in. I mean, that's kind of um, – uh, we've seen that before. I mean, it's not unusual for somebody in the House of Representatives to die or get too deathly ill and can't fill fill out their term. So uh, it could sit empty. And to be perfectly honest with you, if it sat empty for a while, that would be awesome because now the Democrats would have the 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 majority in the House of the sitting congressman. Uh, so it would probably sit empty if they were all bum rushed out of there because of whatever legal active illegal activities that they did. Interesting. Well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I think the next two years. I think the next two years are going to be very interesting. There's going to be a lot of things happening. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about Joe Biden running for office, Donald Trump running for the presidency, Ron DeSantis running for the presidency, and everybody's trying to figure that out. But that's two years away. If you look back at previous presidential races, they've never picked out anybody two years in advance that's going to run. You might have a front runner now, but I have a feeling Joe Biden won't run, and I don't think we have any idea who be the two candidates in 2024. I think so much will change with the investigations, the indictments and everything. We don't know who's going to run. And like I told, like I was telling people on TikTok, people worried about Kristen Sinema uh, splitting the Democratic Party if she runs as an independent or what's going to happen in the 2024 election. We need to stop worrying about what's going to happen two years from now. We got enough shit going on right now. We need to focus on that. We don't need to go find other shit to worry about. We got enough to worry about that's happening right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the the chaos, I, uh, as I call it, going on right now is an absolute munch. Enough. But I don't know. My gut tells me that Biden's going to run again. That's my honest gut feeling. I don't know why I feel that way. I, um, I just, I, I think he will. I think he'll run again. And that, honestly, I don't know if that's, I mean, I I think it's good in the sense that I think he could win again. Um, but who would you pick? I mean, who would you, yeah. who would you want for the next president? Well, that's, that, I mean, there you are some the vice president to run. Yeah, I, you know, that's one of the things I thought about, you know, the logical choice if Biden doesn't run would be Kamala Harris. But Kamala Harris has kind of been under the wire for the last two years, and she's not strong enough to run for the president yet. However, I thought if there is a plan for Joe Biden not to run in 2020, uh, 2024, that they're going to somehow spend the next two years trying to showcase Kamala Harris, you know, put her more in the public eye, get her involved in more things to give her a better reputation. Now, we'll see if that happens. Um, if Joe Biden is healthy enough and cognitive enough, yeah, he should run. What the fuck? I mean, Bernie's even talking about, I might run, but he's the same age as Joe Biden. People would love love Bernie running, but he's just as old, too. I'm, 
I'm hoping that Joe Biden is the last old white guy who is the president of this country. And if he if he gets another four years, fine. Um, but I, I really do want to see this country get on a younger track because they're the ones that are going to be living with the decisions and the policies made today. I agree. There's a so getting some younger blood in there, so to speak, yeah. um, could do a lot. And they could also relate with what the majority of the Democratic votes are coming from currently. Right. They The turnout of these younger folks at midterms and even um, 2020 election was crazy. Um, yeah. And it, sadly, COVID uh, killed a lot of people that were uh, older and Republican. Right. Right. Um, there's some, there's some statistics out there that are pretty ugly for the red side. And the future is our younger folks. It always has been. And getting somebody in that office that can relate and speak at the same level or on the same terms and understanding of what the passions of the younger folks are and speak to them in a way that uh, gathers even more of the vote. It'll be, it would be huge. It would be absolutely huge. They think that that 2020 election was uh, off, upset in favor of the Democrats. I think it would be millions more, maybe in the 80 some million range, right. 80, 90 million. Well, well, they're saying that in 2028, the vast majority, the majority of the people that will be voting will be millennials and Gen Z's. And then it's pretty much over for these crazy conservatives. These people are not going to vote for them. As far as I saw, the votes from the millennials and Gen Z's were like 70% Democrat. That would pretty much exterminate the Republican Party when we get to that point. And I think that's part of the reason why they're so desperate doing crazy shit. They know their time is short. Well, it, you know, if you look at the last 20 years, they're, they've been on a de- decline the yeah. last 20 years. Absolutely. And, and and short of cheating, they're having trouble winning elections. Chris, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back, talk more about the youth movement and, and some other stuff going on in the country. So just hold on. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We are back on the Rational Boomer podcast. On this show, we have listener Chris having an interesting conversation about the state of things in this country. And of course, it's a little fucking crazy. It's always nice to talk to somebody who has a reasonable mind. And fortunately, if you're a rational boomer or somewhere in that area, you do have a reasonable mind. Now, Chris, we were talking about kind of a youth movement in the political parties, that it's time for the era of the old white men to go by the wayside. Uh, of course, in the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi was the Speaker of the House. She will no longer be Speaker of the House as the Republicans take over, at least for the moment. Uh, and she stepped aside from leadership. She didn't leave her position as a representative, but she left her position as, as somebody in leadership. 
And uh, it's about time. I mean, she's 82 years old. These fucking Trumplefucks are breaking into her house trying to kill her and her husband. So, you know, maybe it's time to slow it down a little bit. She's done a great job. The reason I know she did a great job is because the Republicans hate her more than anything. So I know she did a good job. But now they've uh, elected a new leader for the Democratic Party in the House, and that is Hakeem Jeffries. Now, he's not a real young guy, but he's around 50. He's a black man. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's pretty articulate, pretty smart. And he doesn't fuck around. He doesn't mince words. He will ma- he will wade into a fight if need be. What well, what do you, what are your thoughts on Hakeem? Uh, I definitely a leader in the party. Obviously, that's why they picked him. But I think uh, having uh, the younger person in there um, can better relate and uh, lead the party forward. I think he will do great at doing it. He, like you said, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't mix his words up too much, and um, that will be impactful. The biggest success we've had is just being clear cut on, on you know the current issues and cutting right to the chase and getting stuff done. Yeah, you know one of the things I think people had a problem with coming into the Trump era uh, that that we had politics as usual. They played the game. Um, the same way for decades and decades. But once Trump got in, the rules of the game changed. And I think the Democrats were a little slow of catching up with those rules. They continued with their more passive ways and just trying to go along to get along and trying to negotiate. But soon they found out there was no negotiations. Hopefully there will be now. But that's where we were. If you were a Republican, you voted against anything Democrat, even if it was good and vice versa. And that's that's where the divide started, and that's where the problems uh, have have come. And I'm hoping now that we get new blood in there, new voices like Hakeem Jeffries, that there will be some openness in negotiation because that's the only way the House of Representatives or the Senate can succeed and do what they're supposed to do for this country and for the people in this country. There's got to be some interplay. There's got to be some negotiation and compromise. I, I agree. My fear in that, however, is the past shows us that every time there was a coming together like that, there was a ton of fat added on to whatever was the topic of discussion. And uh, if it comes down to like fiscal responsibilities and those sorts of things, then I'm worried that it's worrisome to me. I think uh, that they can't, the, they can't stop from just tacking on these pet part projects that are um, can sometimes be just way overkill and don't exactly align with what this country needs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's important to note that it's not just the Republicans that are guilty of this. The Democrats have done it too. There's something you brought up before we went on that I want to talk about. And I've talked about it a lot. We were talking about the uh, loan forgiveness um, for the uh, student loans, uh, and and that's still in flux right now because he signed an executive order, which is not the best way to do it. It's better off to sign a bill, um, and and of course they sent it to court. Now the Supreme Court's going to hear it. So so Joe Biden 
kicked the can down the road a little bit and said, okay, now you don't have to start making payments till June, which I find ironic because these people don't want the $10,000 forgiveness. So all they did is make it so the loan companies will get zero payments for the next six months. So that wasn't a fucking good move. But I know you have some strong feelings about uh, the loan forgiveness. I do. Um, the As we discussed before the break, you know, the young folks in our uh, in the country are our future. And we are the only, we're one of few countries that doesn't pay for our kids to go to school beyond high school. And on top of it, the loans were uh, forced on these young kids in the sense that they had no clue what they were, the amount of debt that they were getting themselves into. Yeah, they knew the dollar amount. Yeah, they signed the line. But how many 18-year-olds do you know that really fully understand what that impact is for the next 20 years? And at minimum, we should be offering federal student loans at zero interest forever right? um, Right. if we want them to pay it back. But if we want to be competitive with the rest of the world – we should be putting our our kids through college anyways um, at no cost. And uh, it, it's starting to come around. There's a lot of great programs out there that are allowing uh, younger students in high school, juniors and seniors, to take dual credit. Or I have a kid that uh, graduated college before she even left high school. Right. So, um, and it was 100% free. But right. it's, not, it's not like that all over the country. It's well, not. And it it needs to be. Well, if we found anything out in the last six years under the reign of Donald Trump and the trump and the MAGAs, um, what I was most disappointed and, and disconcerted about is finding out just how many fucking stupid people there are in this country. And uh, you might want to look at it as giving these kids a free ride, but this is a serious problem for this country. We should be the better educated country in this world, and we're not. So we're in kind of a crisis situation as far as having educated people in this country. If we don't have uh, the young people educated and they get to be old people and they get they don't know as much as they should, that's going to be damaging. That's going to be problematic for this country. So over and above giving somebody a free ride, this is a problem we can address now for this country that is about to come, and we should be willing to do that. Yeah, the the Republicans don't want that because, like Trump said it himself, I believe uh, he loves the uneducated. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I believe the I believe the Republican Party knows the impact of educating young folks through college and it doesn't favor them um, through all different things. I honestly, I was a great uh, history student when I was in high school, but I did not know a whole lot about um, civics, um, ethics and those sorts of things that are expanded on or and or um, required in college for just a business degree. I, I, I wasn't, a, I don't have, I'm not an arts major, you know? Yeah. And uh, like they often like to portray all college students as liberal arts, you know, but I, w- I went 
for a bachelor's in science. And then I ended up in grad school, got an MBA. But some of those experiences exposed me to not only history, but uh, civic duty and those sorts of things that really opened my eyes. And, you know, um, one of the greatest memories I have of college was reading the letter from uh, Martin Luther King from the Birmingham jail. Right. That was the first time I'd ever seen it in my life. I remember I cried. Really? I absolutely cried. And that's not what that's not what the Republican Party want uh, folks to to get educated on. They really don't. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the Republicans, if they don't care about our kids being educated, they got to look at the economic side and they got to look beyond the end of their nose. I've talked about this many times before. Uh, if we are having the vast majority of the people voting in 2028 to be millennials and Gen Zs, all of whom or many of whom would, we would presume would have loan uh, student loans. As we get older, I'm 62, uh, I've sold my house. But if I'm 62, 65 years old and I want to sell my house, it may be part of my retirement. I want to make big money on my house that I paid a little for 35 years ago. But now I've got this house to sell. Um, and if the only people that are in a position to want to buy that house are millennials and Gen Zs, but if they're saddled with loans, they either won't qualify for the loans or can't afford the loans. So then the value of my house goes down. So these Republicans that are worried about money should be thinking ahead a little bit. You want to crush the future of this country, the economic future of this country? Well, it's fucking going to cost you. These kids aren't going to buy new cars. They aren't going to buy houses. They aren't going to spend a lot of money by going on trips and stuff. And that's going to fuck up the economy. If you're worried about them getting a free ride, that's fine. But worry about yourself because you end up might end up fucking yourself over. Yeah. And it's going to have an impact on their retirements, their 401ks, everything. It, it, everybody's going to take a hit and pay for it if they don't. If we continue to follow the MAGA policies, we would be dragging this country down into racism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, overthrowing the government, chaos, as you mentioned, economic, even economic destruction. Uh, this is this is why I feel so strongly about doing what we do here on the podcast on TikTok, and I'm sure you feel the same way. This is about saving the future of the fucking country. This isn't about. I don't like Republicans because they don't like student loans. It's it's far more important than that. Uh, they, for whatever reason, either intentionally or unintentionally, want to destroy this country. And I just refuse to sit and watch them fucking do it. I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. Uh, I try to speak out on a lot of different things. Um, one of them is racism, the LGBT community i support all these folks um it's sad to see where the republican party continues to go and this last six years my gosh i thought um you know 30 40 years ago was bad but then i fast forward and look at how suddenly they they have gained a voice with Trump being in office for four years that they're coming out of the woodwork. Um, and it's not like those things 
weren't already there. It's what is showcased today is they feel empowered to just spew it, which is just mind-boggling to me. The downside and upside of what Donald Trump did is all these racist, misogynist, anti-Semites, all these crazy fucks were always there, but they were hiding under their rocks because it wasn't safe for them to come out and speak it. What Donald Trump did by speaking it, he made it okay for them to step up. Now they feel emboldened because the president said it's okay, and now they're speaking out. That's the downside of it. The upside is that we did expose all these fucking people. So hopefully it gives us an opportunity to do something about it. We can't say, oh, they're not there. Racism is good. They were always there. But now they're coming to the surface like a fucking fever blister. Maybe there's some kind of medication. We can just wipe it out completely. Maybe I'm being too positive here. But uh, something has to be done to repair this ideology with these people or somehow mute it some way because our country just can't survive if if that's embraced well i don't think it's twitter (laughs) yeah are you on twitter i do have a twitter account i'm not very uh, active in it um i get on there once in a while just to see the chaos but uh it's never i never really was um too active in it it used to be connected to one of my other social media accounts, so it would dual post. But um, I've sought, I've even stopped that. So I, I honestly, I get on there once in a while to see a couple favorites that maybe got pushed off of another platform, and that's the only place I can see their feed. And I, I do uh, like to get on there and see what the White House is saying. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now, there's a lot of people out there in state government and in federal government, for that matter, pushing real hard to uh, outlaw TikTok in this country. And their claim is, well, it's owned by a Chinese company. They're stealing all your stuff. And I tend to think that something like TikTok has kind of evolved into something they weren't expecting. They were expecting TikTok to be just these cute girls dancing and lip syncing and such. And, and, and uh, instead there's been a lot of people like you and me and some of the other older TikTok people out there getting very political and putting things out there. And uh, they're taking a hit because of what's on TikTok. I mean, TikTok, you can joke about it all you want, but it's fucking huge. And a lot of people are watching it. And those people talking on TikTok can influence others. And I'm sure they're feeling the pressure and, and, and they want TikTok shut down because it works against them. Yeah, it does. And they are uh, disgruntled about any sort of... um What's the word for uh, censoring? Yeah. And, you know, TikTok doesn't doesn't put up with some of their stuff. And that's, you know, that's painful for them. They think they can still spew whatever hate they want, even on TikTok. And it's not true. Um, and, I, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, left-leaning creators get their accounts deleted um, because they went too far. So I don't think it's – I think the censorship within – TikTok is across the board. Uh, I don't think it's one-sided, and uh, I don't either. Republicans don't. Republicans wish it was, or like to think it is, because they get their accounts deleted too. But uh, I think it's just simply because their message is 
uh, nine times out of ten worse than any liberal message that comes across their uh, For You page. Well, uh, you know, uh, you, 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 you post some videos now and again, you said? I, I do, I do. Well, I'll give you a tip that I used and, and, and some of the other people that maybe even be bigger creators, you know, you constantly see these people. Well, they took down another video. I got banned. Now you've seen my TikToks, right? Am I, am I any less, <laughs> am I more passive than these guys? Would you say? No, I mean, I think your TikToks are great. I don't, maybe I'm biased. I don't well, know. No, no, you're right. They are great. I, I'll give you that. But, but my point is, is, is why am I not being taken down? Why am I not getting banned? And I, I know why I'm not getting banned. Because- I, think, I think it's, well, my personal thought is, is that you don't personally attack any one individual on TikTok. And yeah. uh, my experience in even yeah. watching other creators is when you go after a specific person or another account on TikTok for difference of opinion or maybe they posted some hateful thing or whatever, if you attack them for that and go over the line, then you're either reprimanded or deleted or you yeah. lose your account or however, whatever happens. Your TikToks and and I watch every single one. Um, Thank you. Are not directed. At, at, <laughs> you're welcome. It, your TikToks are not directed at other creators. Yours right. are more general in sense of uh, Trumplefox and and right. uh, public figures. And well, you're not tagging folks in them. No, no, I don't tag other folks in them. Uh, the 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 thing is, what I do is the only way I know how to do it. And it's more like a, uh, like a news pack. I mean, it's different, but I, 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 I kind of put it together like a news package. I'm talking about general stuff. I don't want to get involved in, in, in other creators to be perfectly honest with you. I've even reached out to some creators. I don't hear from a fucking single creator. You know, people think that if, if you've got a large account that all these guys are buddies, I don't talk to fucking any one of them. They don't, I've even reached out to some, they don't want to talk to me and I'm fine with that because I'm not going to include them. So I'll give you a tip as a creator, how you don't get banned. Um, you don't get banned because I go, I, I take a lot of time. Every time I post, I go through all the comments. And if I see any comments that are Trump fuck related or, or, um, negative toward me or anybody that's on the post, uh, there's going to be an argument among the post. I immediately block them. I have blocked literally thousands of Trumplicans who come in to my post and 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 my rationale here is that if they can't see me, they can't ban me. You have to understand how somebody gets a video taken down and how somebody gets banned. Um, like for example, if someone's watching your video and just doesn't like your face, they 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 report you for whatever, and TikTok immediately takes you down, and then it's up to you to explain yourself and get back up. So to take a video down is not hard to keep it down. That's a little tougher. Like people try to take my videos down and they usually come back up within about two or three minutes. Cause it's all bullshit. If, if a Trump will fuck gets through, but as you're doing your TikToks, get rid of those people as much as you can. Absolute much as you can, because for me, 
having the platform is far more important than engaging these fucking idiots. Oh, I agree. I will uh, note it. Um, all that advice is great advice. I do. I'm guilty of uh, responding to folks. So when I get the nasty comments, I, it often makes me want to make another video. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start deleting. <laughs> well, really, That'll really upset them. That's that's the best thing you can do. I mean, I, I've seen some of these guys with four accounts, and they get keep getting banned, and you know they want to engage in things. You know, there's other people that uh, you know want to want to talk about their personal lives. I never talk about my personal life, not in specific terms, maybe in uh, to explaining something. But uh, do you want a platform, or do you want to self-aggrandize? yourself and show what a big star is. I think a lot of people make mistakes when they get a lot of followers on TikTok that, okay, now I'm a star. I can do anything. They'll love anything I do. And and for me, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. That's what works. They don't want to hear about how wonderful I am. They want to hear what they want to hear. So I'm going to give it to them. And I think people make that mistake on TikTok. They get too emotional. They get too engaged with the people that are commenting. They get too engaged with whatever problems they have with other creators. Fuck all that shit. Say your piece, maintain your platform, and just keep moving. Don't get emotional about this shit. Yeah, I think I will have to narrow my, I, I really need to narrow my focus on my platform. I uh, tend to bounce around a lot. I'm one of those guys, my mind never quits working. I think about 10 different things at the same time. And, you know, a squirrel runs by and I'm oh, <laughs> squirrel. I'm, yeah. I'm chasing it down. Right. Um, I'm so passionate about so many different things, uh, both personally and politically that it, it's difficult for a guy like myself to stay focused on one specific thing, but I, I'm going to take your advice. I'm going to work on that. And, uh, yeah, just, I, I, I I totally, um, obviously I follow you. I watch all your videos, you listen to your podcast. So, um, your word is important to me when it comes to that. And I'm going to work. That's going to be my, uh, my to-do list is to work on my uh, platform. Well, and the other thing I would tell you too is, is that um, when I used to have a recording studio and I'd have somebody come in who didn't, wasn't used to talking into a microphone, uh, they would sit down and they were, would not have real confidence in what they were going to do in front of the microphone. So instead of being themselves, what they would do is they tried to do their best imitation of what they thought somebody sitting behind a microphone or in front of a camera should do. And that, that never works. The best thing you can do is just absolutely be yourself. That's why when people always say to me, well, you swear too much. Well, that's fucking me. <laughs> if you're sitting in my living room after I did this, did this podcast, you know that I talk the same way. I, 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 I'm curious. Um, you're not as old as I am, but, um, when you started watching TikToks and you started uh, doing TikToks, what was the response from your family and friends about that? I mean, do some of them give you a hard time about it? Do they tease um, you about it? Well, I'm too old. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right. not quite 50 yet, but... Uh, They're not real supportive? For sure. Um, I think more friends were supportive. I've uh, often asked privately, you know, their opinions and... I've gotten good feedback. I don't like my own voice, so I don't like to hear my own voice. 
and that's difficult for me to go back and watch because I think my voice sounds funny for whatever reason. It does to me. But I've had other folks tell me just the exact opposite, so that was encouraging. Um, my family or close relatives uh, laugh. Um, they joke about it sometimes, and I'm one of those guys that takes stuff to heart sometimes too. So yeah. I don't – and so – those parts are a little bit difficult for me. Uh, but, you know, you got a lot of great advice here. And I, I'm the guy that I'll take all the learning. I never stop learning. So I, I will take that into deep consideration and uh, try to work better at making better TikToks or social media videos, whether it be reels on Facebook or whatever. Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you this, you know, I, I've worked in radio for 40 years, and talking into a microphone isn't a big deal. I'm used to it. I feel comfortable with it. But I will tell you, when I first started doing TikToks, I got lots of shit from my family, from my sons, from my friends. That's crazy. That's stupid. Why are you doing it? And uh, my attitude was... I know what I'm doing. I know what I want to do. I have the time to do it. I have the ability to do it. So fuck you. I'm going to do it. And for months and months and months and a year and over a year, I got that kind of shit. But now I have close to 200,000 followers on TikTok. I have a podcast that a lot of people are listening to, you know, and, you know, we go out some places and people actually recognize me and they're going, nobody's laughing anymore. Nobody's saying, <laughs> Oh, that's stupid. Well, it's not stupid because I'm accomplishing what I hope to accomplish. And I knew I would be able to do something, maybe not to the extent as uh, of 200,000 people on TikTok. I thought if I got 10 or 20,000, I'd be happy. But I got the shit too. And you can't let that stop you. If you have the feeling you want to do something, you just, you just fucking do it. Uh, and, and the more natural you can be and the more you, you can be the, the, the better off. Uh, when people always say, they say, why are you doing this? I said, well, I see there's a lot of problems. I have the ability to talk. Uh, when my granddaughter grows up and looks back in history of all the bullshit going on, at least she can say, well, he didn't do much, but at least grandpa did something. He said something. And, you know, I think, I think that's where the Democrats have fallen short. Uh, Republicans always talk louder and longer and control the narrative. And uh, I knew I could play that game with them, but with a more liberal bent to it. So I thought this will be a fair, uh, a fair fight. Now they're going to have to fight with somebody who's going to play by the same rules they play by, and you know it's kind of worked out that way. Well, yeah, for sure, it's worked out really well for you. Um, I'm still working, so I don't have probably near as much time to put forth to it. Uh, the time I do spend, uh, you know, sometimes it's it's more oriented towards uh, hobbies and that sort of thing. But I, I kind of challenged myself a couple of years ago to speak out more publicly about certain things, um, natives, uh, Native Americans being one of them, and politics and racism and those sorts of things, and be an advocate for those folks. Um I am going to work very hard to narrow my focus a little bit when it comes to social media going well, forward. Well, I would tell you, uh, Native Americans need somebody like you. I think, I think 
I think Native Americans get forgotten when we talk about racism and white supremacy. We think of people of color. We think of, uh, you know, whatever. But the plight of the Native American in this country has gone on for hundreds of years. It's still going on now. Anything that anybody else suffers with with, with prejudice, the, the Native Americans are right in there. They're still struggling. I mean, we're hearing about... uh all these Native American uh, girls going missing and nobody seems to report on it. So they need a voice to stand up and say, hey, wait a fucking minute. This needs to be addressed. This needs to be known. So the more voices uh, the Native Americans can have, the better. You know, I did a presentation uh, just a week ago for Native American uh, History Month, and it was a professional one. And one of the things I talked about was imposed ethnicity versus uh, symbolic ethnicity. Okay. And, and I'm white as fuck, yeah. but I'm a, I'm a registered Native American. Right. And my family's been registered for hundreds of years. And so when I speak about it or I tell somebody that I'm Native American and they look at me and they're like, um, so do you drink a lot or, they, <laughs> yeah. or what they asked me, they asked me if where's my feathers or some, some sort of racist remark, right? Well, that's because it's being imposed on me and it's because my ethnicity is symbolic. I don't look like a native American, a typical native American. And so I can kind of relate to what native Americans are dealing with or people of color or anybody else, but I can't fully relate because my ethnicity is symbolic right? and I choose. And if I'm in a group of, of old white fuckers that um, are racist as hell, I can turn it off and nobody even knows. Right. But the guy that can't turn the guy or gal or young lady that can't turn it off, my heart goes out to him. So, I spoke at this thing and this was supposed to be a half hour, 40 minute presentation. It turned into two and a half hours. And it was simply because so many folks felt compelled to come talk to me afterwards. They had so many questions. I had a young lady from Turkey that came in and, or came up to me afterwards and talked to me about how she has been, um, persecuted because of her religion she was uh the muslim faith and it was sad but we connected from the standpoint is uh we both felt that we needed to speak out and she actually is the first person i've ever heard that encouraged me to maybe start a podcast or something similar so well, I think it's a, I think it's a good uh, idea. I mean, even, even in this day and age when there's so much focus on racism and all that stuff, there aren't enough voices for Native Americans. I mean, in Minnesota, I grew up, uh, we had a cabin in Northern Minnesota. I knew a lot of Native American people. I still know a lot of Native American people. And I'm, I'm just saddened to see how they're treated, you know, even still with reservations right now and how those folks are treated who live on the reservation. It's, 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 it's appalling, and they do need a voice, and they do need someone to bring it to light. So, um, you know, everybody says on TikTok, you got to have your niche. 
And uh, you might that might be the perfect niche for you. The fact that you are Native American and don't look Native American may give you an advantage in speaking out. Yeah, and it, it did during my presentation. And mind you, there was about 40 people in the room and, and of all different color, race, color, whatever, gender. And there was about 30 people uh, via, uh, you know, video, Zoom or whatever similar. So I agree. Uh, maybe it will give me an advantage. I think my hesitance is obviously the fear part, right? Going back to my heritage or my ethnicity being symbolic and people don't there's a good portion that don't take me seriously but if i gauged it off of that presentation i did a week ago um i'm fooling myself because i think i i I do have an opportunity here to speak out on behalf the the uh the amount of credibility you have strictly comes from how you present it the confidence in yourself, confidence in what you're saying. And, you know, you talked about, I don't like the sound of my voice. Don't worry about the sound of your voice. It's not, doesn't have anything to do with the sound of your voice. It has to do with what you have to say. And if you have compelling things to say that are going to catch people's interest, that's what's important, regardless of what you sound like or what you think you sound like. I mean, I'm listening to you. Your voice is fine. Uh, you're just self-conscious about it. And that's what happens when people get on a mic or in, in, in a, uh, in a situation where they're on camera, they're self-conscious about it. You get in your head and you're too worried about what you look like. And then that takes away from what you have to say. Just let all that shit go. Just say what you want to say, be as impassioned as you can and get the message across everything else. Be fucking damned. Thank you. A guy like me needs to hear that. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, I I have other people. I, I have a brother. Um, who thinks just like I do. I mean, he's like my biggest fan. He follow, you know, whenever we're around someplace, um, he'll send me videos, give me tips on what to talk about. And I know he's thinking the same thing, but he can't talk because he works for a big health organization. He's got a big time job. And if he did stick his nose in it, he would get in trouble. Besides that, he doesn't have the experience in the media, so he doesn't feel comfortable spewing it. He probably would be okay. Um, so, um, I, I understand that there's a lot of people I know that have come up to me and said, I'd like to be able to do what you do. I said, well, you can, but you got to be free. Um, we talked about the first amendment and everybody's screaming about the first amendment that, that, uh, um, I could say whatever I want, but so many people in this country don't really have that right because they've got other things hanging over their heads. And, and for me, I don't work for anybody. My family knows better than to tell me to shut up because I'm not going to do it. Um, So I truly have my First Amendment right. I'm going to say whatever I have to say. And and the one thing that comes out of it for me, the the most gratifying thing comes out of it, the thing I hear the the most and, and I appreciate the most is people will say, you said exactly what I'm thinking. You said something I couldn't say. So if I can be a, a a a mouthpiece for those people to get their point across, that's that's a great honor for me. And and the same would be for you. There's a lot of people that don't have a voice that should have a voice. And if you can provide them that voice, you're you're doing a great service to a lot of people. Yes, and I can speak to that uh, from the sense that I used to work for the tribe I belong to, and um, I was in a pretty high role. Yeah. Uh, 
and I was muzzled. I could not speak out to uh, about, you know, things that were happening within the tribe that I need that someone needed to speak out to them. And anytime it, you have to understand, and our listeners have to understand within tribal government, uh, it's very much um, very cutthroat. If you, even if you are a tribal member and you speak out against the tribal government, they will nix your job in a heartbeat. Uh-huh. You're fired. You're gone. They will remove you. They whatever. So I did that work for about three years and it was painful for me because I couldn't talk about what I really wanted to say. I right. couldn't talk about the issue. And when I left, the muzzle came off. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, the, the thing that people have to understand is while we're talking about the tribal organization over and above being native American, they are political. It is about power and it is about money. And when you give people that position, regardless of what their race, they can get corrupt. And I, I'm, I'm sure that happens in, in tribes and in, in, in religious, certainly in religious uh, groups. Um, it's not about, the, the ethnicity, it's not about the religion. It's about fucked up people getting a little power and wanting to hold on to it and will do anything they can to hold on to it, whether it's, whether it's illegal or illegal. And I understand your point. I was in the same situation. I was working with a school district and I wanted to say some shit and I couldn't say some shit. Uh, but when I, the day I retired, I walked out that door whistling Dixie. The first thing I said to myself is, I could say whatever the fuck I want now. And it just so happens I'm a pretty good talker. So this isn't going to be pleasant for these motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think I felt the same way. It was actually a huge weight off my shoulders. Uh, oh, I agree. Mine too. Because, man, uh, it was such a great feeling. And it like I didn't know. Uh, first, I was upset because I was leaving. But then... Um, I don't even think it was 24 hours before it set in like, (laughs) Hey, I can say whatever the hell I want about these guys that are either corrupt or doing things that go against um, their own laws and rules and governance and those sorts of things. And uh, I've been a thorn in their side for a couple of years now. (laughs) Isn't that great? I love being a thorn in somebody's side who fucking deserves it. I, 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 I have a friend who's a teacher. He'd been a teacher for 35 years and he had a lot of things he wanted to say, but couldn't say. And then he retired. I mean, he wasn't even on Facebook. So he retired. Now he's on Facebook and now he feels free and he's putting out memes and, and little jabs here and there. And I call him up. I said, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> he says, well, I'm putting out these memes and I'm doing all this stuff. I'm really sticking it to him. I said, dude, you ain't doing shit. Remember, you're fucking free now. Get out there and speak your mind. Don't send out a meme. Tell them how they're fucked up. And he goes, well, I don't know if I could do that. I said, then you aren't free yet. When you get free, then you can do it. No. Yeah, you're just playing a fucking round. You're kind of tiptoeing around this shit. Just just out of curiosity, we are where we are now. We're past the midterms. We got all these investigations. We got possible indictments. 
You know, we got to deal with the House of Representatives and the Senate and Christian Cinema and all this stuff. What do you see for the next two years? What in your mind do you think is going to happen in our government and in this country for that matter for the next two years? I think we're going to see the Democrats really start to take over. And I think a lot of that stems from all this stuff we've been lingering for two years over Trump and all the uh, folks around him that were involved with January 6th and those sorts of things. So I think as that stuff finally comes to light or comes to fruition and uh, indictments start being handed down, those sorts of things, I think it's going to create a lot of panic on the Republican side and they will come to the table with the Democrats and start to get some stuff done for this country. I agree wholeheartedly. I think we're watching the destruction of the Republican Party, and they are going to have to reimagine themselves. And I think Liz Liz Cheney is doing the right thing. I think she's calling these people out, getting kicked out, but stepping back and waiting for them to say, all right, we got to fix this shit. We can't continue down this path. And then she'll probably come back in and be one of the leaders of the Republican Party and whatever change they decide to make. The important thing is, even if they do make that choice to change, it's going to be 10 years before they can establish anything because they can't change it overnight. Yeah, the, the damage that they're doing is going to have a lasting effect. You know, some of them, will think that, oh, this is only going to hold over till the next election or for two, four years or whatever. No, it's decades or decades of damage. They have to start, Republicans have to be start to be more perceptive. I mean, when they overturned Roe v. Wade and they were coming up on the midterms, it was far enough away from the midterms. These Republicans believed that this was a issue like any other issue. Oh, it caused all kinds of problems. Everybody's upset. But after three months, they'll just let it go, and it's no big deal anymore. They got a big fucking wake-up call that even three months, women did not get over it. People that support Roe v. Wade did not get over it, and they got their ass kicked because they did the wrong thing at the wrong fucking time. Yeah, it definitely backfired on them. Uh, They went into that one way too lightly. Uh, I think they will could rebound with, uh, you know, codifying Roe v. Wade or helping assist it. But honestly, I think there's a lot of them that are too dead set against it that they won't they won't come to the table. Yeah, well, I think we're going to get younger people in the Republican Party, much the same we're getting younger people in the uh, Democratic Party. I think the whole ideology around the Republican Party not only will change, it has to change if they expect to survive. For sure. Yeah. The younger the younger folks coming in will be uh the the true test or whatever or however you want to look like that look at that as in like are they have they been like uh what's the word? brainwashed too yeah, far absolutely. or or do they have enough of an open objective view that they can do some good well that's a, that, that's a big ask for the uh, republicans especially from what we've seen the last six years but they have no choice 
They have no choice. They've got to change if they hope to be a factor in 2024. And uh, I honestly don't know if they can do it. Uh, I'd be a little concerned if if they do just do implode and there is no Republican Party, because as much as I side with the Democrats, it's a little hard to have a democracy if you only have one viable party. So we we kind of need them to reimagine themselves or remake themselves. But I, I just don't know if they have the wherewithal and the uh, compunction to do it. I don't think they do. <laughs> um, <laughs> sadly, I don't. I, I really don't. Um, I think they will. I think there's, there's going to be an effort. We're going to see an effort for them to, to come back. But I don't think it's going to be to the level that they think that they're going to get to. I really don't. And having Ron DeSantis as a presidential candidate is is not the way to repair the damage that's been done in the Republican Party. That's why I'm not so sure he's even going to be the presidential candidate. He'll be lucky if he's not in jail himself over the migrant issue to uh, up north. Yeah, no kidding. He's got some serious legal problems there, and hopefully he'll be held accountable for it. Well, Chris, I w- we're out of time, but I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. This is your first time on. You did a great job. I appreciate you taking the time because as much as you offer insight, as I always say, <laughs> you made my job easier. I only had to talk half as fucking much. Thank you, Mike, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, like I said before we even came on, I'm a huge fan. Um, you're actually doing what I spoke about earlier, that civic duty. Um, it goes beyond just voting. It's educating folks and getting the word out there of what these topics and concerns are for the United States and our future. Well, I appreciate that. And if I can accomplish that, uh, it's all well worth doing. So, Chris, don't be a stranger. Feel free to email anytime. Next time you want to come on the show, just send me an email. We'll set up a time and we'll do it again. So uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you. Be well, my friend. You too. For the folks at home, I want to thank you for taking time to listen to the Rational Boomer podcast. I hope you have a great day and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.